0: Hello, and welcome to Philosophy for Our Times, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of Art and Ideas. In this talk, Piers Corbyn, both the brother of Jeremy Corbyn and a weather forecaster, sets the temperature rising with a heated rebuff of modern theories of climate change. Has science got it all wrong? Is the greenhouse effect real, or will you be warming to Piers' argument? Now, it's true I am my brother's brother. He used to be my brother, and now I'm his brother. Uh, <laughs> And in case there is any journalist here or people who are going to tweet something, as they often do, I have to say I can neither confirm nor deny that anything I say may or may not be supported by my brother. And if you've got any questions, go to his press office. Now, in this talk, I'm going to hopefully break you out of your Guardian Reader comfort zone. Uh, and I know my brother had difficulty even breaking into that comfort zone during his, his election campaign. Uh, now, but I want to help you break out of it. Um, because, you know, uh, every time I see somebody who puts the milk in the cup before adding the tea, I know that person is probably wrong on everything they're going to say. <laughs> but I have to put that prejudice aside... And listen to anything they might have to say. That's all I've got to say about prejudice. You see, there's been claims in the paper I've got no scientific qualifications. Well, these are untrue. I've got loads of qualifications and we've done commercial operations and specifically I got to a lot of these ideas that I wouldn't have happened. I'm doing long-range forecasting that i would got to from being a kid and studying in imperial college and astrophysics in queen mary college and was having a go at doing forecasting and i gave up you know i wanted to do solar activity predict the weather a long time ahead and it was very very difficult so i gave up then the minor strike came along and some friends of mine said oh Piers, what's the weather going to be like in end of the minor strike you know in the winter of 84 85 i said look i don't know why ask me he said oh you were doing long-range forecasting i said well I've given it up, it doesn't, I can't do it. And they said, no, look, have a go, have another go, please, we want to know. Now, they wanted me just to announce it was going to be a cold winter, of course. So you know. I didn't do that, I did it. I went back to it and I found, mm, it seems to work. And I said it would be a very cold winter in 84, And it was. And the rest is history, which is why I'm here. So, but for Margaret Thatcher and Arthur Scargill, I probably wouldn't be here. So I have to thank them. Most of you probably believe that 97% of scientists agree with man-made global warming. Now, I'm going to tell you, one, is untrue, that statement, and two, it is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if 100% actually do believe it's nonsense. It doesn't mean it is nonsense. It's a belief. A belief is not fact. It's an opinion. The history of science is littered with developments being held back by beliefs and interest groups. Now, it doesn't mean if you hold a nonsense idea that it's going to be true. Of course not. But there will be forces against anything new. Galileo met these forces the question of longitude measurements was uh, you, you know, held back for 30 years by the Royal Society, even though John Harrison had measured longitude. And it was only when the Royal Navy stepped in and said, look, people are dying at sea because we're not using available technology. The point is, if you look at the actual surveys of these scientists that are claimed to have said that man is causing the current climate change and extremes and all that, of those scientific papers listed, only 7% actually say that, only 7%. Yet it is put out in the media as fact and taken as therefore it must be true and people like me are talking nonsense. Now, there are other reasons why they want me want to claim that I'm talking nonsense, namely because there are economic interests at work. Now, you don't have to believe me as to whether I'm talking nonsense or not, but we look at the facts and our observations and proven skill as opposed to the lack of skill of others and the failure, failure, total failure of the CO2 theory, Okay. Right, now just have a quick look at the economic and political impacts of the climate change stuff around the world right now. We've had changes in the world economy, in the UK economy. We've got, I would say, money-wasting wind projects like wind farms and so on. Very expensive way of producing electricity, anyway. I mean, you can argue for or against all sorts of things, but they kill birds and they're expensive. We've got increases in energy charges... Very substantial increases in energy charges, meaning old people, friends of mine, will die when they don't have the money in the winter. Um, we've got caring about the environment. That's great. I'm all for biodiversity. But mixed with that, we've all got all sorts of social control stuff going on about, oh, you've got to think this and that, what's PC and what isn't. We've got more diesel pollution in London because diesel produces less CO2 than petrol and therefore Greenpeace and others. are campaigning campaign for it. 4,000 people a year die in London Uh, i.e. have early deaths, because of diesel pollution. And it's on their doorstep, Okay, I mean, they're they're to blame, definitely, the the greenies that put it forward. We've got deindustrialisation of the UK, massive scale. Teesside using the European Emissions Trading Scheme, uh, the increase in prices of energy. Port Talbot is under threat because of this. The whole thing is a straitjacket on of the left. And we now have, we used to have people marching around supporting coal, and now we have them opposing coal. And supporting nuclear power. Supporting nuclear power. What? And when we see uh, President Hollande sending the troops to Mali to stop terrorism, you know, <laughs> is he really that interested in who runs the desert sand? No, he's interested in the uranium mining. Where people are dying daily from, you know, uranium poisoning, but they want the uranium here for you to pay EDF. So that's just background, OK, of the politics. So you've got to think of the implications of what's happening. It's not the case that greed politics is just nice, friendly, happy, clappy. It's all good. Uh, they might, might be telling lies, but they're doing good, really, aren't they? And the answer is no, no, no. They're not doing good. Now, why do I say... That the man-made theory of climate change is actually wrong. Well, first of all, there is no evidence for it. And if you think there is, please produce it. No evidence for it. There's opinion for it, yes. In this trace gas, CO2, in the atmosphere, namely 0.04%, of that 0.04%, man's contribution is is, uh, 1 in 25, i.e. 4% of that is from man. So the other 96% is natural. If CO2 is controlling climate, then how can man's 4% control the rest of the CO2 to control climate? I mean, you have to have termites, which produce 10 times more CO2 than man, have to do man's bidding in order for, for, you know, this theory to be true. But this is is deranged, right? The idea that a termite, you know, on the hill here is going to suddenly start farting or whatever when somebody drives their Volvo past, you know, in harmony, is insane. Right. Do, do you think it's insane? Or am I I'm being prejudiced? And I, I, do, I do pour my tea, milk in the tea afterwards, by the way. Of course, the reason for it all is that the sea covers 90, 70% of the world. The temperature of the sea controls the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by a dynamic process, just like when you warm a bottle of pop, CO2 will come off, cool it down, it'll hold the CO2. But the sea's got a long, big circulation issue so it takes a while for the temperature changes to work through so carbon dioxide follows temperature changes in the world by some hundreds of years on average there's lots of little local fluctuations and timing and so forth but that is how how it works and we challenged i did this on the 16th of may but i've done it a number of times but just to pin it down in imperial college big meeting. Uh, Professor Sir Brian Hoskins. I said, Brian, tremendous presentation you gave about meteorology dynamics. But well, I said, look, I've got trouble with your CO2 belief because he just slapped it on the end of his talk. Oh, CO2 is doing this and that. I said, look, you haven't justified that at all. Please give us evidence. And he said, oh, it's in the IPCC report, the International Government. <laughs> it's a governmental panel on climate change, um, reports. I said, no, it's not in there. There's opinions in there. There's no actual facts showing that when CO2 changes, the consequence is temperatures change. And I said, look, Sir Brian, if you think there is, please send it to me, the reference. I mean, he's, he's a world expert. He should know. I'm still waiting. That's three weeks ago. I've also said anyone can send the evidence, and we'll put it on our website. But there isn't any. It's a... Well, a con is the word. Now, there's, there's, all, there's various arguments as to why CO2 can do this or that, but, you know, the one about man's only been 4% of the total. Well, that just ends it, doesn't it? I mean, Obama should have war on termites, not war on cars. Am I right or am I right? We have had a lot of extreme weather. Every time something extreme happens, the global warmers, in particular the BBC, say, oh, it's man-made climate change. Or they have this clever little say, well, we can't say for sure it's man-made climate change. And everybody's thinking, oh, yes, but it is, it is, is, isn't it? They're just not telling us. They're not forcing it down our throat, are they? Well, actually, they are, by subtle means, which are normally described as brainwashing, but you know. What's happening now is you've seen the jet stream on TV. it's this current of rapid air going high up in the atmosphere. And this is basically controls the circulation pattern. So if it's coming from a long way south to north, then warm air comes up there. And if it's going the other way, then you get cold air. Now, the jet stream now is much longer than normal, and it's got big waves in it. So that's why we're going to get very extreme cold, very extreme warmth. Now, all this is controlled by solar activity, and we predicted it, Seven years ago, that this was going to happen more and more. And we're going to move in towards a mini ice age period because when the jet stream's a long way down, you get great big cold fluxes, like recently 2010 December, coldest December for 100 years, which we predicted. And in America, we've had the coldest winters, a uh, couple of them, not last one, one before, uh, where the whole of the uh, Great Lakes froze over. Very cold. And there's been some remarkable heat. Heat's generally shorter than the cold. In fact, On average, yes, so, because the jet stream is further south and the upper part of the jet stream is cold and the lower part is warm. Now, under the CO2 scenario, a generally warm world, the jet stream will be shorter and further north and, because it's shorter anyway, it can't have so many waves in it. So it's generally benign, warm, hot summers and so forth, mild winters and so forth. Uh, But that is not what we have got. The extremes we've got are the wrong type of extremes for the CO2 theory. And anyone who disputes that, I ask them to, well, have a public debate. Because the guys who put forward that this extreme or that extreme is to do with CO2 are lying, and they know it. Because mostly we've predicted the extremes which come about. Us being right doesn't disprove the CO2 theory. No, it doesn't. The CO2 theory disproves itself because it doesn't predict anything, and all its predictions fail. So that's why it's wrong. But just to show you this, because I prefer to talk about what works rather than what doesn't, recently, 26th to 29th of May, we predicted 70 days ahead there would be likely to be earth-facing coronal holes, a whole lot of extreme events around the world, floods, even an increased likelihood of earthquakes, although this is trial stuff about earthquakes, so don't go away saying we can predict earthquakes. We've got... Some handle on certain things. That's what we think, but we can certainly do weather extremes. So we had these floods in various places, Texas, uh, d- Germany, I think. Uh, people killed in in lightning strikes in Paris and and tornadoes, and th- there's an earthquake there. So we predicted all those things a long time ahead. Now the CO2 people who say, "Oh, it's all to do with CO2." Well, that's nonsense. That is complete nonsense. Well, what's this doing? Did that coronal hole come there because because someone drove a Volvo? Down in, in Hereford? I don't think so. There are a lot of cycles in weather which are related directly to solar activity. There's a 22-year magnetic cycle on the of the sun, and that is reflected in world temperatures. There is a 60-year cycle of beats between m- lunar modulation and the magnetic links between the sun and the earth, and that is evidenced in many data sets as well. Yeah, this is about what comes first. Time goes this way, this is um, ice core data and Al Gore showed this graph. He said, oh, here's the CO2 and there's the temperatures. Look, the CO2 is controlling the temperatures. (laughs) Ha ha! no lie. The point is about the ice cores that the temperatures go up. If you look at the detail, the temperatures go up after. uh, Sorry, the CO2 goes up after the temperatures by a few hundred years. And that is proven in measured data. All right, now, how we know the CO2 theory doesn't work, it's not because of any meddling or or fiddling data, it's because all their predictions failed. Right, things they told us which didn't happen. They told us we'd have world runaway warming, but we haven't, the world has got colder, under honest data measured by satellites, not... Not um, minister, uh, sorry, (laughs) as you would say to the minister, not the new data minister, no. Um, The new data is fiddle data minister. Um, Droughts and heat waves, uh, well, no. In the summers we've had floods and cold. End of snow, end of snow? Well, no, not at all. More American hurricanes? No, less American hurricanes. World massive ice melts? No, there's, le- there's actually more ice than there ever was. Um, but the BBC doesn't report it. They just tell you when a bit melts in the spring. They don't tell you when it refreezes. Springs will be early? No, we've had late springs. Large sea level rise? No, the rate of sea level rise has not changed for the last 100 years. It's going up co- slowly, constantly, since the last ice age. All right as the sea below expands. CO2 goes up, but temperature on that data they produced in 2010 or so, or nine or eight, has gone down. But they since modified the data to make it go up. Right, this is important. All the models say this is how temperatures go, this is what the satellites are saying is happening, i.e. it's actually declining now. The data they tell you about is surface data which they select. 60% of data stations were whipped out of the data sets in 1990 and all of a sudden, temperatures went up at the same time as data removed. But, Minister, it was all real data. We've just chosen the best data, Minister. I mean, come on, Minister, what's the problem? We're experts, remember? (laughs) No increase in world temperatures. OK, we've actually got decline now in terms of satellites. 60-year cycle in lots of data. They tell us, oh, but Mr Corbyn, the world temperature has been going up and up faster than ever. And they show you this bit. Look at it. Going up fast. And go back 60 years, whoops, it went up fast then. Another 60 years, whoops, it went up fast then. It goes up fast every 60 years and then declines at a lower rate. Now, you've got to take away the bias and it goes flat there, so you've just got hiccups going on and on. Right, I've told you about some of the economic problems. Um... We've done that, basically, emasculating the left. That is what's happening. All right. Some of the politics. Um, little story. I was invited to the Global Oil Summit in 2004 by people involved in, in the business. Okay. Not, not exactly oil, but trading stuff, right? And they wanted me to go there. Now, they were actually... Uh, they were inviting me on behalf of the oil companies. That was obvious. Got there. Houston, Texas, right? Meeting this big, but they were... Wow, I didn't expect it. It was director of the the Iraqi oil minister was there, President Putin's scientific advisor was there, all the top oil companies were there, chief executives were there, and I nice oh, that's nice, you know, and I gave a talk, you know, showed them at solar activity doing the job. And then afterwards, this guy walks up to me and says, Mr Corbyn, I just want to show you something, that we're onto this already. And he flicked through a, a lot of papers, and he had graphs in there of solar activity and temperatures, and Bit like my graphs. I said, uh, what do you have me here for then? Because you know it already. He said, ah, yes, we do, we do, but we wanted a scientist to tell us. Oh, that's nice. Okay, okay. Who are you? He said, oh, ah, uh, well, I retired last week, but then I was chief executive of, and he gave the name of a very, very big oil company. And then the Putin's advisor sat beside me at lunch and invited me to the uh, Russian Academy of Sciences for later that summer. Now, we asked after two weeks after no about three two months after that someone said to me, "Piers, why don't you ask those guys for money?" The, the Royal Company said, "Oh no, no, no. We, said, we don't money off oil companies." Said, Tell you what, we'll ask the United Nations for money, and we'll ask the oil companies for money. We'll ask them for equal money so we can be neutral. Well, okay, sounded like a good idea. So we asked the oil companies, or well, someone did it on my behalf. And they said, "Oh no, 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 we don't want to give any money to Mr. Corbyn. No, no, no. Why not? Well, well, we don't want to upset the green lobby." Don't want to upset the Green Lobby. Even though, yeah. even though I saw it in my own eyes, they, they know it's nonsense. But look, there's a difference between what is true and what makes money. Money is to be gained by keeping up oil price as long as greenies are campaigning. Don't do this, don't do that, and so forth. They can put oil price up and up and up. Look, the Saudi Arabians might want to upset the apple cart because they want to bankrupt Russia and so on. But, you know, the basic drive of the green economy is upping oil price and, therefore, profits for the oil companies. Because you go on their websites, it says, we support the you know, action against man-made climate change, so long as there's a uniform price for carbon across the board. That means the price has to be high enough to pay a farmer to burn food, which means that profits are going to be super profits for the oil companies because the price goes up. Maintained by OPEC and all these organisations. I invited to this big meeting. Um, Richard Linden from America is there. All sorts of people are there. Putin's advisor invited us in secret before the British delegation came to try and tell Putin, sign the Kyoto Protocol, because th- they, they needed one big country to sign it to make it legally binding. right? So, Andrei Ilyanov phoned the British delegation at Heathrow Airport and said, oh, by the way, you should know that Mr Corbyn, Richard Lindsay, and Savra are here. And they said, what? We're not coming then. So, Andrei Ilyanov said, to them, well, please yourself. Now he knew, damn sure, they'd be on the next plane straight away, and indeed they were. And they came along, and they were very pissed off, indeed. And they got denounced by us, and denounced by Andre Leonov. And then the Russian Academy of Sciences declared there is no evidence for man-made climate change. We shall not sign the Kyoto Protocol. Or more to the point, we recommend Mr. Putin does not sign. Okay. Straightforward. <coughs> Two months later, I turn on the TV. There is Mr. Putin signing the Kyoto, the Kyoto Protocol. So I found out my man in Russia. I said, uh, excuse me, what's going on? He said, oh, well, uh, sorry, Piers, um, best land. He said, best land. I said, what do you mean, best land? He said, best land, best land. That's all I can say, best land. I'll have to go. And he went. <laughs> this is a very Russian story, isn't it? Um, <laughs> what was best land you remember? It was that place where the Chechen rebels had invaded a school. The Russian security forces went in and killed masses of people. Complete fuck-up, right? of French, right? Two months after that, the Russians were in Chechnya, burning, killing, destroying, mutilating. Hundreds of thousands of people were massacred. The, le- the West said nothing. Not a peep. It was Russia's backyard. They said nothing, not a thing. So I suggest this was a bit of Russian chess piece treaties. Oh, we'll sign, of course, we'll sign, just you shut up when we go into Chechnya. Anyway, now, of course, the Russians like the Kyoto because they've become an oil exporter. That was not the case then. Club of Rome, a long time ago, they said, look, we need this... Man-made climate change theory in order to unite the world, to get them behind world government. Now, you might say, well, who the hell are these people? Well, they are the super-rich. But look, if you look into it, and we're going to put this on a website, they have been working with since the Potsdam Institute, the Club of Rome, the Club of Madrid, Club of Budapest, and certain people, the former governor of the Bank of... Sorry, the deputy governor of the Bank of England, Charles... Uh, Bean, uh, various professors and experts, so-called Michael Grubb, Charles Gardner, Rosie Donahue, who's in the current Cabinet, or it might have been the Coalition, I'm not sure, Cabinet Behaviour Team, right? And they work with economics from, from uh, Mr Sarkozy's uh, little club, or the, the, when he was President, uh, on behavioural economics. And they are the chief advisors on climate change. Well, this is brainwashing. Behavioural economics is brainwashing. That is what it's about. And these people are right there at the forefront, uh, influencing, promoting, getting politicians to have a knee jerk reaction. Oh, yeah, there's a flood. OK, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. we, we, we've got to up, up oil price, up, do this, put more taxes on it, and so forth. And governments love it. There's never before in the history of the world been a movement which they can manipulate which asks, demands that we pay pay taxes. We demand, we want to pay taxes. If you want to suffer, we feel guilty. Please, charge us. Um, So I have to warn you, look, these people are very influential, very dishonest, very anti-scientific, and very dangerous. And you have to stand up to them. I hope you've broken out of your comfort zone because, you know, you've got to get right out of it. What you've got to do about it when you've broken out of your comfort zone, you've got to enjoy life. You've got to enjoy the planet, except that man cannot change climate. Uh, actually, there's games going on with spraying, so there's, <laughs> that's another issue. But right now, we can't change climate. We've got to stop these carbon reduction taxes. We've got to save UK steel. Uh, we should have money back on this green electricity theft. Uh, but we've got to keep green honest green policies we've got to defend biodiversity for its own sake don't let it depend on a lie it's defend it for its own sake and of course i would i would say this wouldn't i use some of our long-range forecasts to uh, well know what's going to happen uh in the future and actually save lives when we predict big storms all right i'll end there thank you very much we hope you've enjoyed this podcast which is brought to you by the institute of art and ideas Which side of the debate did you fall on? Is global warming the biggest deception of our times? Or do you trust the data behind the greenhouse effect? Let us know by tweeting at IAI underscore TV with the hashtag philosophy for our times.